0: It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are gonna be the people that will get you beach commute ready, and they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts Podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Jeff and Marissa here. We realized that we haven't had a conversation with you folks about, surprisingly enough, why you would want to become a digital nomad. So we have come up with a list of the five reasons why we value this lifestyle over the sedentary, you know, nine to five, living at home type of thing. And we wanted to share that with you with a few examples. And also, this is backed by pretty much like everybody else that we travel with. So we think this is a pretty solid list. So we'll go through each of these five reasons. But before that, Marissa is going to Moon Worshipping Witch Festival in one day in Mexico. Marissa, please unpack that for us a little bit. You give, give us 30 seconds on that.
0: <laughs> that is not the official name. Oh, it's not. Okay. I thought it was. we'll rebrand it we'll rebrand it that i think maybe jeff we should start one of those that's a good name but yes tomorrow i am going to mexico flying into mexico city so i'll be there for a couple days before i don't even know where it is honestly i said i'm going with a friend of mine she was talking about i was looking at me like i'm crazy
1: you don't know where it is in one day
0: well i'm flying into mexico city i know i can get myself there you know how i travel i show up and like someone else usually knows what we're doing and i just follow along and when it's what I want to do, I don't follow along. If I know, I'm like, I don't want to be doing what you're doing. But we are going to the ceremony. It's somewhere between an hour and a half to two hours outside of Mexico City. That much I know. It's like you're camping. We are, we are camping four days. You only drink water and eat honey. And there's all sorts of, you remember the temesco we did in between our ayahuasca ceremonies, mm-hmm. like the sweat lodge? You do two of those a day on top of all of this. Like, and I think you don't really sleep much at night. Like, I think it's going to be one of the, most bizarre things i wish you guys could see jeff's facial expressions right now as he's looking at me <laughs> well i mean
1: i can describe it it's like partially i'm not surprised and also oh that sounds rough. but <laughs> did you say a diet of water and honey
0: i did water I did and honey for, four, for days. four days water and honey i'll have so i'll let you know i might be really okay. <laughs> angry on our next episode we're just like so grateful for all the food next afterwards. podcast brought to
1: you by jeff and diego <laughs>
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, Jeff and Diego will, will do one while I'm gone, while I'm in the moon ceremony. And but it's really neat. It's it's a Mexican tradition. This is like where it started. They do these ceremonies all over the world now, apparently. And there's women from. It's all women, also, yeah. and it's from the ages of like I think teenagers up to like abuelas, the grandmothers in Mexico. It's like into their 80s and 90s, and they pass along these traditions. Hmm. So, to me, I feel like I just love to seek out really authentic experiences and travel. We'll get to that actually, great lead. But, you know, one of the reasons we love being digital nomads is the freedom to do these kinds of things. Because I think, you know, I'm all for one, like of, you know, like Burning Man and stuff like that. But a lot of stuff has become more commercial. So, this just felt like really authentic. Mm. And, you know, I like to do weird spiritual things and kind of pushed my boundaries so this this was an next little push for me so that's that's what's happening maybe
1: this will make it to the top five maybe this will be its own event that is one of the reasons to become a digital nomad for you there you go yeah. This, this and only this, this, this <laughs>
0: the, the witch cer- moon ceremony i forget what you call it witch moon ceremony
1: very niche demographic we're talking to here for this <laughs> thing but it, it may be you're listening
0: maybe you're into, may, it.
1: Maybe you're into but, it maybe you're into it maybe worthy of an entire podcast episode at least a segment <laughs> at the very least
0: maybe we'll do a bonus episode of like my experience there so you can still get all your other digital know my content we'll share a little story but jeff I, you are in columbia and the your favorite place? I would say, like your favorite nomad place in the world. We've, we've kind of like decided that for you at this point. Is that official? Just kind of,
1: kind of my hub. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a second home. Always, always was. Like I mentioned in the uh, one of these millions of podcasts we've done, we've, we've done sixty four podcasts at this point. By the way, <laughs> sixty four so, million, same yeah, 64 same. Million. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of looking into as a side note here, looking into real estate. If you buy real estate here, you can get a residence visa and you can stay here for the period of that until you renew it, which right now is five years. I think it's changing to three years, but looking That's into real awesome. estate here, yeah, exchange rate's really good. It's second home. So yeah, just been kind of playing around a website. It's like an advanced version of Airbnb shopping, which is a fun, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's on this, but I'm sure some people have done this on this podcast, but shopping for Airbnbs is really, really fun. It's like, it's like digital nomad shopping, basically. It's like, it's, it's fantasizing <laughs> about these the cool places amazing places. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's like an upgraded version of that, which is pretty exciting for me.
0: Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, should we jump into the, the five reasons that you might love being a digital nomad? Five reasons. Basically why we became digital nomads is is kind of what we're going with here. I'm thinking but... we're
1: probably going to go with the five Obvious reasons that first the first things that came to mind. This is how we came up with this list. The first thing that came to mind, the things that come up the most often with the people that we travel with and the people that we know, and then possibly a secondary podcast. Some surprising things we made in the future. Some surprising things that we found out about travel that we came to become the most important reasons why we like doing this. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. We like continue being digital nomads. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's kick it off. Future one. Uh, Number one. First one.
1: Number one. So, top thing that came to mind is that you can get to more places than you can with a typical vacation. What I mean by that is the typical, if you're just working from home and not traveling, like you've got authorization to work just from home or you're just doing mm-hmm. the office environment type of thing, typically what people will do is they'll do either, you get two to four weeks a year and they'll do a staycation at home or they'll do this big planned trip where they go to Italy and Spain and like all the hot spots and that kind of thing, which is, really accessible for just two to four weeks a year. But there are some places that you really can't do for just two to four weeks or it's just not worth it. Like an, an example, yeah. I'm actually going to kick this to you because you, you've you got really good examples okay. for, for Asia where it's just like it yeah. falls into that bucket of it's just not worth it to go. If you're yeah. going to go for a week yeah. or two weeks, you're not going to experience anything. So yeah,
0: yeah. maybe run you with that for place. a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to preface it with like a small story of this is really the reason I became a digital nomad. And when I was working at Pepsi, I would say after four years or so, I took a two month sabbatical when I was moving from New York to LA and in between teams. And I traveled to Israel, Greece, Cyprus, Turkey, Brazil, Peru, and Costa Rica during that time. And I came back to LA and it was time to start my job. And I almost had a mental breakdown because I was like, It was really the first time I was exposed to all these places. I had traveled through Backpack Through Europe. If you've listened to this podcast, you know, I don't like Europe. So I was like, whatever, I don't need to travel that much. Like, it's not that cool. But then I went to all these places and I came back and I started thinking to myself, if I stay in this corporate job, if I only have two to three weeks of vacation every year, like, I'm there's when I started traveling, I was like, there's so many more places to see in the world. So I thought like, oh, I'll check these boxes. And now, like, I'll be good for a while. I'll go back to my job. And instead... When you become a nomad, you'll start to see, like, instead of instead of itching, this, what's the this, scratching the itch, whatever it is, and being done, every place you go, there's you talk to people and find 10 more places you want to go. So the world just becomes, like, so much to explore. So I came home from this sabbatical, and I basically was like, yeah, my two to three weeks of vacation, I had, I had just bumped up from two to three weeks at that time, I will never get to all the places in the world that I want to see. And that was really the reason for me to start saying, I thought I was going to have to quit my job and, and just like travel for six months or backpack because I didn't know that being a digital nomad was a thing back then. This was back in 2014 or so. And that was really my journey of, of finding life as a digital nomad and becoming that nomad. So when I started, I had a dream to travel through all of Southeast Asia. So you guys know, I love the tropical beaches. I had never been to Asia before before. And Thailand was sort of like in my mind that place that I wanted to get to, but then, as I started looking at a map, and I have this picture that I planned out after that sabbatical of Asia, and all these islands I wanted to get to in Cambodia and Vietnam and the Philippines and you know Indonesia, Bali, all these things, I was like, I will never get there otherwise. So anyway, long story short, as a nomad, my you know, I booked a trip to Bali. that was my first stop as as a really you know long term traveling nomad and then i did 10 countries i went to singapore i went to i went to vietnam cambodia philippines myanmar laos where else there was there was more in there that i'm that i'm missing but basically i had the freedom because i was working remotely i had months that i could really get through all these places and keep doing my job and experiencing them and i truly think if i was living the way i did before working in an office or working from home without being a nomad and being able to travel i would Die at the end of my life before ever getting to all these places. And now I think it was last year, like when we were in Romania or when I've been to Oman or Nigeria or wherever I've been, a strange place recently. I was just in Mauritius and 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 Namibia, like all these places. I just think to myself, like, I would never get to all these places in the world. Or like I would use my week vacation just to really go to the beach and chill and be on vacation and not have all these adventures that I have. So that's really. Yeah, getting getting to all those places was my number one, and I'm still so grateful for it. So that was a long rant on my part, but I'm really passionate about it. But add on to that, Jeff.
1: (laughs) Some of the things that come to mind to me immediately is the first thing: when you're just doing the vacation travel, you can't wing it, and being able the freedom to just wing Mm -hmm. it is invaluable to me. It's one of the highlights of being a digital nomad. And what I mean by winging it is like, for instance, you go to. Playa del Carmen and you meet some friends there and you stay for four weeks and some of your friends say, hey, we're going to go down to Guatemala for two weeks. Mm -hmm. If you're on vacation, that option is no longer available. You literally have to be back in the office. You don't have that freedom of winging it. And that for me is half of doing what I like. I like the sporadic nature of this of something could come up in a week and Uh, I just want to jump somewhere else.
0: You know, I love that. And
1: another thing kind of ties into what you were saying before. If you're going on vacation, you are more likely to create a list of places that you need to go while you're there because you're going to Mm -hmm. maximize for your time. And more likely than not, you're going to be Googling lists and those lists are going to be popular destinations. And you're going to go on a tourist track, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're a digital nomad, you're going to be working. And it's a different experience when you're working because at the end of a workday, during the work week, you are working. And at the end of the work day Mm -hmm. week, you're going to be researching places that are a little bit more convenient. And with that, you're going to get a more authentic experience because you're not going to go to the place that you have to book three months in advance. You're going to go to the place that the locals are going to.
0: And you're going to be like, (laughs) cool,
1: curating your own list of local spots that are possibly even better than the tourist traps that are more expensive. They get a lot more people, there's a lot more weight. It's and it's just not quite as authentic experience. It's totally different experience when you're working and you're just you're adding in the location secondary. You're not just trying Mm -hmm. to maximize for your time and cram in all of the all of the hot spots.
0: Yeah. And also even when you think about like when we say if this number one is getting to more places, you have the time, but also financially. So if I think about, if I was living in the States before, you know, when in my, in my career of corporate world, to fly to Asia and back, that long haul flight costs a lot, you know, a decent amount of money. And so once I'm in Asia, it's really cheap to hop between those countries. And so when I have months that I can get, like I can, I can financially get to 10 different countries, but imagine if I was flying back and forth from the States to Asia 10 different times that would be, you know, 10 grand minimum plus. So you just financially can get to more places on top of having the time to do so because once you go to that long haul flight, then you can hop around locally, you know, within those places. So I think that's a really important part of logistically being able to get to more places in addition mm-hmm. to having the time and ability also. Yeah, and
1: that thing too. Last last piece on that. When you're flying anywhere for 10 plus hours, you're adjusting like your, yeah, your you first day yeah. is shot like the day after that yeah. is shot. If you go from the States to Europe, that first day is shot, you're getting there in the afternoon. You haven't slept mm-hmm. yet. You're gone and it takes you yeah. a couple of days just like mentally to start feeling good again, even to get your brain chemicals mm-hmm. back up to speed. Yeah, especially so Asia, even even better example of that because you're 12 plus 12. You're 18, 18 plus hours. And then you like
0: eighteen. Well, no. if you're flying from <laughs> that's more Australia. Well, Bo- I think about Bali is like twelve hours. Thailand's eleven hours from from East Coast. I oh. guess it depends. You're thinking West Coast, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think for West Coast you actually have to lay over somewhere. It, it, yeah, either way, like it's 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 a long your opposite time It's, zone it's taken regardless. Yeah, yeah, it's it's taken a long time to adjust, and it's just yeah. like from a logistic yeah. standpoint, very difficult to enjoy yeah. a short, a some t- period of time
0: being on a plane for 24 hours to get there is really hard and tiring. And it's it's funny how my mindset has changed. You know, there are people who will obviously who have two weeks of vacation and will fly to Thailand, you know, and back as, and and that's awesome. But it's funny as a nomad now I have like a month and a half probably between I had to be in the States for a wedding mid October. And then I wanted to come home for the holidays and I have like a month and a half or two months. And I have some friends who are trying to get me to come back to Asia or india or these places and i was like a month and a half like that's not enough time mm. <laughs> like if i'm going to asia i want four months like minimum so it's just funny how your mindset changes yeah. whereas before in my corporate days i would be like two weeks that's amazing let me go but yeah it's it's yeah. it's just nice to have that extended time so you can adjust the time change not spend so much time on those flights all the time and and all of that so hopefully we've gotten this point across i think <laughs> exactly
1: it, i won't commit i won't get on a plane unless i'm committed to a place for at least four weeks it will it won't even yeah, it, it won't make it worth my while. Yeah, cool. Let's yeah. let's jump into the second one on the list, and it's uh, we have it listed as adventures, but I, I would want to even get a little <laughs> bit more specific and random, almost accidental adventures,
0: it's like weird adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> almost
1: like because you can go on adventures for sure. When you go on your vacation, mm-hmm. when you go on your two week, one week, yeah. two week vacation kind of thing. For sure. You can, you can find them online. You can book them. You can go on Viator.com and just like look up the best adventures and book that kind of thing. But it's the, mm-hmm. it's the random ones, the once in a lifetime things that people talk about with yeah. their grandkids and their parents <laughs> their for grandkids. for 20 years or whatever, <laughs> the same adventure, you know, your parents have talked about adventures, but I've had my mom talk, tell me the same story like six times about this one thing. <laughs> But, like, (laughs) when you're doing this, this could just be a normal Saturday. Like, some of these random adventures that you go on are things that people talk about the rest of their lives. And I've Mm -hmm. forgotten about a lot of these because we've gone on so many of them at this point.
0: Give us some examples. What are we talking here?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, like, ATV adventure in the Bolivian Mountains, which is, we don't, Mm -hmm. like, where can you go and ride an ATV for 12 hours straight and, like, accidentally build a, a campfire? Because well, we didn't accidentally build it, but we built it just in time before the sun goes down, right? Like that's a that's an adventure that you won't get and you won't find traveling around, yeah. and, and looking up top adventures. The one where we rappelled down the waterfall, another one where we actually did rappelling as well, but we were we rode horses to the rappelling place, and this was just something we booked, <laughs> and and it was part of a like earlier in the day we went on a hot air balloon. It was it, we only were able to do that because. We were there and we just did a quick search online and we're like, oh, we're free Saturday and we booked it. And that's just like yeah. you know, that's a, a normal weekend thing that we would do. Yeah. That would be like a life yeah. highlight for a regular travel, a regular for sure. vacation.
0: I remember thinking that when I was in Mauritius earlier this year with Diego and one of the weekends, we had met a bunch of the kite surf instructors, and there's this little uninhabited island that they kite surf near. And they're like, do you guys want to go like, camping on this island this weekend? And we went, there was, you know, there's like nobody else there. They helped us set everything up. I was sitting there, you know, it's like midnight. I'm looking at the moon over one of the most, like this, this famous kind of mountain in, in Mauritius by this underwater waterfall, which is one of the things to see there. And I just remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like never in a million years could I have planned this. And if I had just been on there, you know, been on, on vacation there, I wouldn't have gotten to know these guys in this way. I wouldn't have. They would have. Even if I did, they would have said, Do "You want to go?" And I would be like, "Sorry, my my flight is leaving on Saturday." You know. So things like that that are just. It's just yeah. You have the coolest experiences that are just your normal weekends. I think Jeff, we should. I don't. I'll see if I can find the episode number. But we did a whole episode on just cool adventures that you and I have done. Mm-hmm. Some of the top adventures, and yeah, I just think about the things that we've done that are always just like yeah, sailing around an island or. Diego and I went camping in a desert in Oman for three, like we drove through this desert and camped under the stars and all that. Like they just, yeah, the the list goes on and on of epic adventures that you just wouldn't have the time or space to find out about or do if you only had that limited time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like ayahuasca, I wouldn't fly to Bolivia, go up that mountain, which is an hour and a half away from the airport and and spend a (laughs) week up there. No, it's like, it has to be somewhat convenient in order to do right. that kind of thing, in order for these adventures yeah. to and actually you, you materialize. Not, Some yeah, of these things have to just exactly. be convenient.
0: Mm-hmm. And you might not choose to spend your vacation time that way. That's kind of what mm. I was trying to get to earlier, exactly. But when I was like, if I only have two weeks of vacation and I'm working so hard, I just, I wanna turn off, I wanna break. So you, like you were saying, you might Default not choose to, to s- spend, yeah. s- take seven days out of your day to go do an ayahuasca retreat in Bolivia, because you were there, we could just hop over and, and spend five days there because you weren't traveling on either end. Like it's, yeah, there's so much more you can do. So adventures are definitely... And you just get to the far off places. Like I think about, I ended up at this balloon festival in Myanmar. It was the biggest balloon festival in the world. There was these, like hot air balloons, with, like fireworks shooting out the bottom of it. Sounds safe. And it was after this... It was not. Several people die every year there. Well, I was My just joking. Roy, I, was Jesus. Saying, like, I shouldn't
1: even... Shouldn't I know, even joke yeah, about it's that.
0: actually... Well, you should. People should be smarter and stay farther away from them. But people get drunk. My, my friend got drunk and was like trying to record a cool video and he was like underneath it. And the fireworks kind of start shooting out in random directions. Oh yeah, it's, it's a thing. But I was only there because I was in Myanmar because so I was close to Thailand. I had some time we just come back from this two-day hike over the weekend. And that night, that evening, it was like an hour from where we're staying. And we had some friends be like, hey, this festival is happening. Do you want to go? So, yeah, I never would have been in Myanmar. I never would have been on that festival. So you can get to these far-off places, like, time-wise, far from where you are that you just wouldn't be able to get to otherwise.
1: And if you do want to hear some of our wilder travel stories, it is episode 41, (laughs) 11 of our Craziest Digital Nomad stories we talk about Perfect. some of these that we just referenced here let's go Hold to the on. third one so yes. third thing that pops up on our list top reasons that you might like being a digital nomad is the cultural experiences that you'll get from around the world mm-hmm. which which does kind of tie nicely into our previous points where i mean how many when you go on one of these planned vacation trips to mexico to to wherever are you truly getting a cultural
0: experience yeah. No. Almost no. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> like the answer is kind of just no.
0: Mostly no, unless you are very specifically seeking that out as your vacation, which is pretty rare. Right.
1: Exactly. So do you have any example? Well, I'm sure you put it's kind of a T-ball question. G- give me some examples of where you've had <laughs> a, a good cultural experience. Yeah. That, specifically because you're a digital nomad. You are a digital nomad.
0: Yeah, for sure. I can give so many. I'm going to give one back to. I don't know, Oman is coming up a lot today, but one, it's probably somewhere I never would have traveled to, never mind lived, if I wasn't a digital nomad. So I spent a month there with Diego and a group of people with Wi Fi Tribe. And I think. If I think about going to Oman, it actually is, I highly recommend it, by the way. It's a beautiful, beautiful country, which I didn't know, never would have gone to. But it's in the Middle East, so you have to wear, you have to cover your head if you go into mosque to visit, you have to cover your shoulders and your knees when you're walking around just day Even to as day a forum. anywhere to be, I guess, you know, you're not like legally required to, but you you feel more comfortable. Like you will get a lot of looks and make other people uncomfortable as a female if you have skin showing in that way. So you just out of respect and for your own kind of travel safety and comfortability, Mm. you follow those rules. So yeah, shoulders covered covered at all times. knees covered at all times. So again, if I was just traveling there myself, um, I'm sure I would have maybe known that, but I would have probably just gone on a road trip around the country, not spent much time understanding the culture, but because we were living there, I was like, okay, I have to dress in a certain way. I have to see, like, what are the people eating here? What are people living nearby here? And our friend Esty, who you know, she was like out in a mosque one day just exploring and met this. She was a 24-year-old woman who invited us all over for her to her house for lunch because she was had the time, it was just living day-to-day life, kind of exploring these places. So we got invited into like a local's home. Only the women were allowed because men aren't allowed. Women can't have men into their homes if their husband is not home men can have up to four wives there and women aren't even allowed to have like our male separate in their home as a group. (laughs) Yeah, so things like that, like I never would have known that. I never would have understood that culture. It gives me chills talking about it so locally. And she invited us, it was her, she had her cousin and son and her daughter and like her niece there. And they made us all this local food. They taught us how to eat, like you you only eat with your hands. So we're like eating like salad and rice and yogurt with our hands sitting on the floor learning like when you come over they like lo- they use the smoke to like um they like, put like up your clothes to smell good they i know it sounds weird it's like a i don't even know how to explain it in the short of time we'll get to that another time but they like sweep the, the floor up with these palm leaves so just so anyway it's all one example to show like if i had gone there just on vacation which i never would have done anyway i would have just been you know with whoever i was with driving around interacting with maybe some people at a restaurant here and there mm-hmm you don't really understand the culture. And as, you know, likely if you're listening to this podcast, you might just want to get to more places, but also most, mostly if you're listening, like you, you probably want to understand the cultures and the places that you're going and just feel far away from home. And I think as a nomad, when you live in a culture and you get to have like, what are they eating? What are they doing? Where, Where are these people shopping? It's such like Nigeria was a huge one for me that way so mm-hmm. curious if you have examples but you just get to like you're in Mexico one of my favorite favorite places and so I've lived in Playa del Carmen a bunch but I go to this local boxing gym and it's only local people there it's in this local neighborhood I only found it because I was I was living there and it's like I get to see what people are doing day-to-day what they're living how they're working out how they're shopping what they're talking about and it's just a totally different feeling than vacation. So yeah. that's my soapbox. <laughs> but curious, like if you have an example or two and why you why you appreciate that as a nomad. Yeah, it's
1: just racking my brain. Actually, here in Colombia in Salento, we were just walking down the street and we gonna get some breakfast and we thought well if we found some some dirt bikes or ATVs it'd be kind of fun to go on a tour and (laughs) uh, there's no like real good map of Salento. there's no good way to find it so we talked to a few locals and we went to a coffee shop and we saw like like a actual brochure pinned on there's no electronics really like I couldn't even get cell reception there even if it was (laughs) online and so we just navigated up and down the streets until we found this place and this guy had just opened up his shop he was a racer he's actually a Dirt bike professional dirt bike racer for a long time. And he just opened up a shop a couple days before that. I think it was the day before even. And he says, "Hey, I just came up with this random tour. Do you want to go on it?" And we're like, "Yeah, of course we want to go on it." So <laughs> a group of maybe five, six of us go on this. And he says, "Hey, I know these these locals at the very top of the hill after we pass the Vía de Córdoba, where Diego cries, his infamous crying." location.
0: I don't know if we've talked about we it, the it. We
1: referenced it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about Diego his, loves, palm loves palm trees. <laughs> he loves palm trees.
0: And he cries when he sees and, these. Gonna, he cried he, in front he's of gonna these hate us for talking about specific
1: us. ones. It's a really nice view. Out of
0: happiness. Pure happiness. It's, a, it's just
1: a valley full of these palm trees that, that don't necessarily look like they belong there. I think they got planted there. Aren't recently. they
0: the tallest palm trees in the world? Like sounds like a good headline. Let's use it. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> sure, sure. sounds great. Yeah. This is not fact checked, but potentially true. yeah this is
1: what we call <laughs> half-ass internet research segment here so we, we go to the top and there's this local family that welcomed us into their home and they let us sit out on their back porch and they just kind of talked to us about their lives they cooked for us on a wood stove they brought us some traditional food there which is like a, t- a tinto it's like just the cafe that they make and then a cheese that they actually dip into the cafe into the coffee which is kind of strange but it was like this is they joined us and said this is how we enjoy our coffee and looked over the valley at everything with the Valle de Coconus down below and the hum they had hummingbirds. They they grew these specific plants so they'd attract all of these really exotic looking, cool looking hummingbirds. And they were telling us that they had to put their hummingbirds on a diet because they were all getting diabetes from eating too much nectar. (laughs) So it's just it's just silly (laughs) random stuff like that. And that's just you know, it's not like an earth moving moment but it is one of many moments many small moments that just kind of clicks with you that says oh cool like this is this is something that you just won't get unless you're a digital nomad you're not gonna just randomly go get to meet this family and have them cook for you on their back patio have them tell you stories about their hummingbirds (laughs) you know it's silly but it's it's really really (laughs) nice
0: yeah it's a good point though jeff i think when i before I was a nomad, so if you're listening to this before you're a nomad, when I thought about what nomad life would be, to me, it was like, I'm going to go to these bucket list places and I'm going to do all the bucket list things, right? And it has just become, we've probably talked about this before, but it really has become more about those weird little moments that you could never plan for research look. It is sitting on that back porch with the family talking about hummingbirds that is never in a million years that you would research and choose to go do on a vacation, but those become really the most magical moments. Mm-hmm. so i think about you know i've seen a lot of the wonders of the world and i've been to you know some of the most beautiful places that you know you see the google images or all the instagram pictures but it's it's usually like this the random person i met on the street like in the bus on the way to that place that becomes the cool thing so yeah it's those moments you can never imagine so i i think that's great culturally and I think about one more moment as you're saying, as I was just thinking about that. In Vietnam, I did this three-day motorbike trip, which is another kind of one of those weekend trips that I never would have gotten to otherwise just traveling. And I I can ride on a scooter and all that, but we we rode I rode with this local guy. His nickname was Monkey. And he was this Vietnamese guy. He didn't speak a word of English. And I spent three days on a bike with him. And I felt like I just like bonded with this guy. Like we had like the best relationship, just laughing all the time, even though we didn't even speak the same language. And it was just I felt like I learned so much more about this is culture and we we're dancing mm-hmm. and we we're joking and it's like i just like that's a memorable moment it's not like the big Ho Long bay or you know the typical things that you think you should see in vietnam it's those it's those weird little things that you kind of only come across when you have the time to get to know locals and and be in the culture mm-hmm. so yeah, cool I, I
1: think probably a good branch off of the cultural experience is the food experience too which would be point number yes, four number four for the foodies out there and this,
0: Jeff. Uh, Jeff and Diego, are foodies. we are foodies.
1: Yeah. Well, you are to some extent a foodie. Not, eh, not actually not really. But you're I but like, you're not like a, no, I'm not. a a hot dog and a hamburger only person. That's
0: true. You, you That's do true. enjoy
1: some food. That's fine. <laughs> no,
0: I like the local thing. I just don't seek out the restaurants in the same way. But let's talk about it. When you thought about becoming a digital nomad or when you think about travel and, and the food, what Like what makes that exciting. Big part of it, yeah. When do you get to try it that you couldn't if you were just working from home in California?
1: Big part of it for me, and yeah, shout out to our previous guest Danny Burton, who's who actually joined a Wi-Fi tribe chapter in Mexico City for the culinary scene. Like he did an entire chapter for the Uh. culinary scene and he actually planned out all of his reservations before he went there with specific people who are also (laughs) foodies. So this is, yeah, this can be a a pretty big bullet point for a lot of travelers. And it it definitely is, for me, had a lot of really cool food around the world. Done a lot of tasting Mm -hmm. menus, did a tasting menu in Colombia. Bolivia even had a tasting menu that we went to. It lasted three and a half hours. It was way too long. But Did it and have
0: you get... Oh, I forgot about that. I was like, when did you do that? I forgot I did it too. Get a really
1: cool... Yeah, you get a really cool selection of random foods that you wouldn't try in other places. So a good example right now, they've got here in Medellin, they've got Medellin Gourmet. Mm -hmm. Is the name of it? I'm asking my girlfriend right now. (laughs) Medellin Gourmet. And they've got select restaurants will put together a menu of the month. And you go there and it's just a fixed price and they've got fixed foods. And so you can look it up online and say, I really like this type of food. And you go there and you get that food, you get like two servings or like two for one price basically. And it's whatever they've advertised and that's what you're going to eat. Really, really cool. An opportunity to try a whole bunch of different restaurants. If you look at our calendar, the next two weeks, most afternoons have some sort of booking there. And, we, and it's a good way to invite other digital nomads and and meet them, too. Like, we're going to invite somebody tonight to one, and we had somebody else go to one last week. We're going to have a few other people jo- join us. So you just, like, book, hey, we're just going to do four people, and you get other digital nomads to join you. It's a good way to, cool. like, you know, make other like-minded friends and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it is it is kind of yep. like a community it's a it crosses a lot of different areas it's a community building with digital nomads like like like-minded people cultural a ton of cultural stuff in there if you're going to the right restaurants if you're not going to americanized hot dog stands and that kind of thing but yeah Yeah. you get a a wide range of experience with that that's really really special to me
0: yeah I think it's neat. So speaking of someone who's not a foodie, like I have a lot of nomad friends. Like Jeff is saying, was someone who like goes to Mexico City and it's like, what are the top restaurants I want to go? I had some friends I was with in South Africa who literally had like a week there in between two other locations, and the whole time it was just like reservation after reservation of like the top, you know, this, that, the other. Like that's not my style, but if if that's you, definitely being a nomad gives you the option to do that in so many countries that you would never get to. But for me. Um, what I love is just experiencing local food that I, I might not have ever been exposed to before. So I think about when I first, you know, I would probably had like Americanized Thai food here and there, but it's not something I would eat often in the States, really. I just, I don't know, I just didn't eat much Thai food. Uh-huh. But when I went to Thailand, you know, five years ago for the first time, I was like, this is the best food I have ever tasted in the whole world. And now wherever, you know, it's like I know what to order in other places and it will never be as good as it was in Thailand. I've been exposed for every reason in, in Nigeria. We ate at this Indian restaurant a ton. There was just this local Indian guy. And I'm like, I'm obsessed with Indian food now also because I was traveling with another traveler who had been to India and knew what to order for Indian food. So for me, it's just getting exposed to different foods that I might not otherwise try and that I really love. And the food is so good. And, these, and sometimes it's sometimes food in countries isn't what I love, or it's hard, like where was hard for me. Some some countries in Africa, like when we were in Namibia, hmm. it's a lot of kind of meat and rice and Europe, um, too. Other things that must have been brutal. Yeah, Europe is really hard for me. I, I just don't love much like i don't know intense meat but i think about nigeria they ate a lot of meat and like mashed yams and things like that or in oman they're having all these different like i don't know there's just so much different food they're eating with their hands and all of this so it's just really cool to like sit on the floor and eat the way that they would eat in the middle east and try it but really just to get exposed to so much food things you might never eat and especially if you are a foodie like it will just blow your mind and you'll find the cool places so it's funny when i was in thailand randomly my friend's parent i was living in chiang mai My friend's parents that I'd known from high school happened to be traveling through Thailand at the same time. And they came and they took me out to this nice restaurant that, you know, some travel planner had like told them to go to. And it was this upscale hotel. And it was probably like my least favorite. I I loved the company with them, but compared to the hole in the wall markets that we were going to and the street food that we had found in Thailand, that was out of this world. Amazing. Like the nice restaurants you were supposed to go to when you travel there, Weren't as mm-hmm. good, so that's kind of the cool part of being about a nomad. You like get to know the locals, and you get to find those really local restaurant experiences that you won't find on any blogs. You know, best restaurants here, and it's people cooking for like locals cooking for you when they're home. Like this is the best thing I've ever had. So anyway, that's that's my kind of food experience. As a nomad closer
1: tied to the cultural bullet point than I thought it was going to be. It yeah. really, really is though, because I mean.
0: Yeah, just kind food of food is yeah, within food is,
1: is definitely a food big is a big part of culture. Yeah, let's okay, let's go to our yeah. our last one bullet point number five, top five reasons you might like being yeah. a digital nomad is the community building, meeting like minded travelers like yourself aspect mm-hmm. of things. For me, I guess I'll, I'll just lead it off real quick just to to yeah. get it started. Wi Fi tribe was the first experience for me, and I joined because I wanted mm-hmm. that because uh, I had yeah. the remote experience. I was like, okay, cool. And I'd done my own traveling and it was incredibly lonesome. And then I found the Wi-Fi Tribe <laughs> website and it said, Hey, you could do this, yeah. but with other people. And that's what really brought the whole thing together for me. I, I could just travel yeah. and it'd be, it'd be okay. But this was like the glue that tied it, it cemented everything. And it said, this is why it told me, this is why I need to be a digital nomad. It's the other like-minded mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And it's, you know, just looking across, from your work, your makeshift works, workstation and seeing other people working on similar stuff or not even similar stuff. And they've got cool ideas about stuff that they're working on. You know, you're working on something in marketing, mm-hmm. they're a developer, and they say, hey, I could turn your idea into something real. It's like, oh, cool. It's like that, you get that excitement yeah. that you wouldn't normally get just working from home or just trying to make small talk with people that you just tolerate at at an office. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's funny as, as Jeff and I were deciding like what made this top five list of reasons we really we wanted to become digital nomads and the kind of base reasons. It was interesting. So this was a reason Jeff became a nomad, was looking for that community of travelers. And for me it was more of a surprising benefit. I really just thought I wanted to see the places, you know, eat the food, check off the bucket list, get to countries I wouldn't get to otherwise. And I joined Wi-Fi Tribe and had that same experience as Jeff. But for me, it was like, I don't want to travel alone. This is just, yeah, it's going to be nice to have people to that I won't be lonely and be around. But I didn't know that was going to be the main reason that I loved nomading so much. So for me, it has almost become the, the number one mm. reason is the the like-minded tra- like people who value freedom and travel and adventure and getting out of their comfort zone and just looking at society and life in, in a different way and not just you know believing everything that their country or city you know told them they should believe so honestly like now i will almost go anywhere in the world where my favorite travel friends that i've met are because the community is the most important like Same. it's just so cool to me and it's people who you know aren't just people from my high school or my college or the town that i live like it's people who came from different finances countries cities like there's people i feel like i've actually learned almost more about other countries from my foreign nomad friends. You know, I've lived with a bunch of people from Israel, from the UK, from South Africa, from Brazil, and just spending those times, like just talking about like, oh, this is what I would be doing if I was in my country here. This is how we celebrate this tradition. And and just having those conversations Honestly, I've learned so much more like uh, like than living in that country, weirdly. Yeah. It's like traveling with those friends. So yeah, just finding those like-minded people who um, you don't necessarily find at home. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are someone who is a traveler, an adventurer, and is thinking differently. And it's hard to find when you're not surrounded by those people. So it's become the amazing, surprising reason for me. And honestly, my favorite reason of nomadic now. The interesting
1: thing is that, like you mentioned, all of these people that you meet come from very very different backgrounds they're not from your hometown yes. which makes it very no. unique they're from all over the place some of them may be from the united states some from the uk some from india some from all over the world so you do yeah. get that really you authentic experience from where they're from because you're going to be you eventually become friends with them and you share a lot of personal stories mm-hmm. and upbringing and yeah and customs and all that kind of stuff so you learn a lot about a place without having traveled to that place which is really really cool yeah. but as different as everybody is, we all seem to share a very common thread. Most yes. core true digital nomads do have a value set that is pretty similar. And most of these people that I meet are fairly humble. Like they are very humble people and they like, mm-hmm. they're just curious. They want to learn about the world. They don't yeah. want to go yeah. and spread Western civilization all over the place. Now they're they traveling because <laughs> they want to learn about yeah. other civilizations. And they're just naturally curious and generally pretty humble and usually very, very intelligent. The digital nomad community tends to be some mm-hmm. of the smartest people that I've ever met. They, they so co- tend to come from specialized backgrounds in what it is that they do because naturally at their core, they're curious people. and Curious people tend to mm-hmm. specialize in something and become very, very good at it. So you get this re- really yeah. cool combination of meeting people from very, very unique backgrounds that share this common thread that, The best way that I can, the best thing that I could equate it to is just picking up a conversation with an old friend with somebody that you've never Mm -hmm. met before. And that's the way it's felt (laughs) with a lot of the digital nomads that I've met met at the very first, at the onset. I'm like, oh, wow, I feel Mm -hmm. like I've known you for a very long time, though we are just meeting for the first time.
0: Yeah, so true. Yeah.
1: That rounds out our list. That's that's everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought maybe yeah. we'd have more on that, but I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So if you have any anything to add to that list as a current digital nomad, we actually just met somebody that went from our podcast to digital nomad life, and he's got a lot to share. He's going to join our podcast. So future preview Ooh. into into Cam, who's also a podcast host and runs a podcast network. He's going to share some of his experiences that we just talked about over dinner last week as becoming a digital nomad. And uh, yeah, if you've got anything to add to that list, or if you have any questions that, of us, write us in at hello at beachcommute.com. I
0: was just going to say, I do love that you, so Jeff was just talking about someone who wrote into us, who who literally listened to our podcast, binge all of our stuff, realized he became could become a nomad, went to Columbia, you'll hear his story. And Jeff and I are real people. Like he sent us an email. Knew Jeff was in Colombia. They got dinner. Like it's 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 real. That's how life works. So we hope that this podcast is inspiring you to become it. And one other little last thought, I wanted to add, like a bonus number six that I feel like we forgot, Jeff, which was you get to avoid winter if you want to. Winter, Huge number. How did we forget six. that one? Bonus number six. Total most nomads just kind of chase summer and sun, and unless you want to purposely choose like a skiing location or be wintry for a little bit, we mostly you get to just avoid winter, which is pretty cool too. So Good. That's that's kind of how I'll close this off. But that's a big <laughs> that's a
1: big bonus number six that we forgot about. Yeah, yeah.
0: Big bonus number. six. It was six. getting a little so cold that, at again, home, if you wanna,
1: so I'm like, all right, let's go yeah, to let's go to the city of the Eternal time Spring. To go. Show. You can postpone yes, winter exactly. indefinitely. Big number six.
0: Yes, most of us do. So yeah, check out, if you want to join our email list, we send out tons of remote job opportunities and different really useful resources. So check out beachcommute.com slash email if you just want to join our list. And if you're interested in 91 remote jobs that people in our community are actually doing while traveling the world, go people, check out beachcommute.com slash 91. And other than that, Jeff, any last words of wisdom? <laughs> really, really smart words that you want to mix up and share I have already
1: mixed up three words that don't go together. <laughs> Call it there, we'll say that, that we'll say that my tongue is tied week. and we're done. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us everybody.